0: out there, all you Lasso-holics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. And uh, guys, look, we're all we're all just getting through to season three together, all right? We we know that they've started shooting. It's amazing. Everybody loves that they're in filming. And, uh, you know, we are going to continue our run here on Peanut Butter and Biscuits of talking to some of the people that make the magic happen, and that is what we have for you today. I'm Jeremy Geckner here with me as always, my co-host. Mr. Craig McFarlane He doesn't like Beard After Hours, but we love him anyway What's up, Craig?
1: I don't mind Beard After <laughs> Hours, but I'll tell you what I do love mm-hmm. That Disney World that I just came back from Oh, so yes! Thank you
0: quick report. for Come letting on. me
1: escape uh, yeah, That was quick, a lot of fun quick report. <laughs> preview, quick report Preview your Beyond the Mouse episode coming up <laughs> There were 65 billion people in Walt Disney World (laughs) the week that we were there, but we still had a good time. We uh, ate a lot of really fancy places, and yes, you will be able to hear all about it on the Beyond the Mouse feed in a couple of weeks. I think that we have a couple in the can uh, for Beyond the Mouse before that one gets there.
0: You know, I'm. Uh, it's been a while since I've looked at world statistics, but I'm pretty sure you have some extraterrestrials joining you there. If it's 65 billion people,
1: <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how many people were on the surface of Walt Disney World at any given time. <laughs> uh, it was incredible. But you know, everybody just enjoying the magic coming out of a pandemic, so I can't blame them for wanting to have their trips.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Sarah's already uh, tra- planning our next one uh, to Disney next year. Um, I think Craig has turned uh, my wife and I into. To Disney people so um, but you know we all should be Disney people because you know who definitely is Ted lasso everyone Ted lasso is definitely <laughs> a Disney person um, all right but uh, as I said we've got a very very fun interview for you guys today uh, we recently got the opportunity to talk to the composer of the series Ted lasso mr. Tom howe um, this is quite a fun interview guys least of uh, most of all for me because of course I was a music composition major in college and so I could just nerd out with a fellow who yeah, I'm not going to call myself a composer, but with somebody who has an affinity for composing music um, and definitely has made a career out of it. And if you don't know, this guy's got like over 90 credits to his name on IMDb, uh, not just scoring Ted Lasso, but also the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> um, that is uh, definitely something we get into um, and just a litany of documentaries uh, as well. So he has really composed a lot of stuff the entire gamut. But, uh,
1: Craig, what is it that you are most looking forward to uh, talking with Tom? Tom? Tom Howe here. You know this music, this score, and uh, we talk about it. We talked about it with the editors just the the music that comes into this show from Marcus Mumford, from Tom Howe. That it allows for us to be able to really dive into these characters and to feel those emotional beats. So it was just great to get a chance to talk to him. He's he's so easygoing. It was just really really fun interview. So I can't wait to get into it. Just before we do though, I do want to mention thank you to Lasso Cast for coming on to our March Madness yeah. bracket. That was our last episode. Episode. And we are in the peanut butter and biscuits Facebook page, actually going back and replaying that entire March That's Madness right. bracket one day at a time. And unfortunately for Jeremy uh, beard after hours took an early exit, uh, but come and join the fun over there. And we'll do polls all the way through. It'll be like April madness or in the April madness <laughs> by the time we're done. But it'll be fun to see where the audience shows up as opposed to where our crowd showed up. But that's all I had in terms of like any kind of housekeeping. I think we just ought to get right into this interview.
0: Absolutely. We are going to dive into it right now. Here is the Peanut Butter and Biscuits interview with the composer of Ted Lasso, Mr. Tom Howe. We are so pleased to welcome the composer of the show we all love, Ted Lasso, Mr. Tom Howe. Tom, welcome to Peanut Butter and Biscuits here on the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. Thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We are so, so, so excited to talk to you. We have a ton of stuff we want to ask you, and we know we have a short amount of time, so we want, first and foremost, though, as always, with any uh, guest we have on the show, we want to know the superhero origin story of Tom Howe, okay? So how on earth did we get to uh, Tom Howe is born to prolific film and TV composer Tom Howe? Just give us that whole superhero origin story
2: um with a short version i did i was um my parents both musical i was at a choir school in england um um since i was from the age of seven oh, wow. and then uh, i studied um piano guitar clarinet and um i then went on and did uh you know studied music further at school and then afterwards as well and um then i messed around in bands for a long time so what? i was doing touring with people and i went completely away from sort of uh classical music into playing very loud guitars and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, then did a stint in a band and doing sessions for people and then I did a stint songwriting mm-hmm. and then I um, found doing the songwriting, a lot of people I was working with kept asking me to do string arrangements because they knew I had a um, background in that. And, uh, and then I was doing a lot of commercials and things as well as the songwriting as the kind of um, pop industry really sort of fell on, it died at one point, it sort of come back a bit with Spotify, but there was a period where it just dropped off a cliff face in the kind of early 2000s, and um, and then I got, uh, I, I was actually, somebody who I was at college with, um, ended up going to work at a TV um, station, and uh, they somebody got fired off a job, and they needed a composer to turn around a lot of music very, very quickly for not much money, and uh, obviously... I thought i was the right person for this. <laughs> <laughs> i know someone who'll do that and um, they called me up and i had i had 10 days to turn around two hours of music and that Ooh, that's for wow. um in the day you know this was pre being able to make a great mock-up so i had to also record as i was going so i needed i mean i had very small forces but solo strings i was playing piano myself and um uh and clarinet and that uh yeah two hours of just going almost you know 20 hours a day for 10 days and and i got that away and it kind of turned out all right i didn't know if it would but it did and then that led to something else which then i met somebody and that led to some so it was a kind of strange path really because i thought when i was about sort of 10 i thought i wanted to be an actor Hmm. Uh, specifically James Bond, actually. Oh, of course. Um, uh, (laughs) And then uh, I I remember doing a school play at school and uh, there was somebody there who's actually become a great fan of mine called Rory Kinnear, who's actually in the Bond movies, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, But we're we're old friends, but he was much better than I was um, at acting. And in that play, they then needed somebody to, it was Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, perfect. "Uh, We need to put a band together. Does anybody want to MD the band? And I thought... Not sure I'm going to be the best actor, but maybe I can end the band and the play. So I sort of switched at that point to going and being in music. I haven't really looked back. Really, that was the sort of turning point. I think that play, but staying now within you know film, TV, and kind of acting and that sort of world and stories specifically. So yeah, a bit of a kind of odd route, but got there in the end. That is I'm fantastic. Sorry. That's like
0: that's like Howard Shore, Lord of the Rings level like music writing
2: on a short amount of time. There, Tom. Yeah. My goodness. i heard it though. My, it's you know, you better hear it first, and then it may be no good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a
1: huge Disney fan. It's cool that uh, Alan Mankin and Howard Ashman helped pull you in uh, through that, uh, going into Little Shop of Horrors and, yeah. and going from there. Now, I want to set up, because this is an audio interview, but I want to set up, uh, it makes sense you might be working 20 hours a week on, or a day on uh, composition, because right now you're sitting at your piano, and I count <laughs> at least three coffees right next to you. <laughs> so <laughs> that must mean that you are someone that's always well-caffeinated, right?
2: I am. I, do, I drink, I honestly, My, my actual- drink about well six to ten cups of coffee a day (laughs) strong wow which is not good I don't think (laughs) I find it particularly in the at certain times so I almost use it like when I eat lunch I always have a kind of double straight after and that perks me up for the afternoon Mm. and then as I dip in the evening I say yes I'm using it as very much as a crutch but it does it definitely helps
1: <laughs> well, Ted would like that it is coffee and maybe not that uh, brown garbage water that, that garbage uh, many water, of yeah. you <laughs> like to drink in the UK. Uh, but no, we do have to ask now about Ted Lasso. So that's a film that we all love and has become just a cultural phenomenon across the world. So what brings you to uh, Ted Lasso and how does your journey connect with that particular show?
2: Well, it's, it's funny. So I did I did a show called Whiskey Cavalier for ABC, mm-hmm. which was um, Bill Lawrence did, who did, you know, Cougar Town, Scrubs and Spin City. And he's obviously on Ted Lasso as well. So um, he called me up and uh, he's a great guy, Bill. And he's one of those people who, you know, like all, I think, good producers, What when they find people that they can, you know, you've got a lot of things to deal with as a producer, down to even kind of like you know, does Brad Pitt like the breakfast type thing? If you're on a film, you know, <laughs> uh, is his trailer clean enough, or whatever. And so, I think if you can pick up the phone and kind of ring somebody and know that something's done, I think that that's a huge positive. So he sort of said to me after Whiskey Cavalier, "Hey, look, you know, basically if you're available and." I'm I call you, um, I would really like it if you just did things moving forward on, you know, on certain shows. And I said, well, of course, I mean, Bill's a great guy and he makes great stuff. So he called me on TED and said, let's meet for a coffee um, and talk about this new show. So we met and talked about it. And he said, uh, you know, it's going to start here and I want you to be involved. And I said, great. Um, Jason, who I hadn't met at that point, very good friends with Marcus. And uh, Jason had expressed an interest in Marcus, obviously, doing the music. And uh, Bill then said, well, Marcus, you know, hasn't done something to picture, but he's got the sound and Tom has the experience there. Marcus has the experience there. And why don't they get together and see if they get on and then do it together? So he and I met for breakfast um, in L.A. and then he invited me and uh, I took my four kids to his concert in Anaheim that he was doing a couple of days later, which was amazing. And uh, I then flew to England and went to his house for 10 days, which is quite unusual when you don't know someone that well. And we were in a studio together from basically nine in the morning till fairly late each night, just um, putting down ideas and we didn't have any picture at that point. Mm. So all we had really was conversations with Jason, Bill and, you know, some of the editors. And um, and so we started first with, this, with the title track, which is odd for me as I, I normally do that middle end or basically leave it for as long as I can so that i kind of got the sound of the show and I know what I'm trying to do but in this case we had no picture so we did that and then we sent it off um after I'd been there for a couple of days and we said what do you think of this guys this is the sort of direction and they went sounds good so we knew then (laughs) the sound of the show would be you know guitars piano very organic Mm. and also we figured out then um how we would work together and that was pretty fortuitous because about I then flew back to L.A. and about three weeks later, the world obviously locked down and he and I were, had planned he was going to come out to mine and then obviously didn't. And mm. so we were doing things over Zoom, but we'd had that time together initially to kind of um, get to know each other and also know what, you know, each we liked and also what we were both good at or not so good at and all the rest of it. So um, that was kind of how I kind of came in to um, do the show, really. Um, so That's wonderful. And we're all, we're all so fortunate
1: that you did. Now, we've had a chance to talk to some of the cast and then also some on the production side, including AJ and Mel. And what I love talking to the editors about is when we ask them about their favorite scenes to edit, they talk so much about the music of this show <laughs> and how much of an impact that has on their editing as well. And so I'm wondering, is there a particular scene or episode that you remember uh, composing for that is just something that sticks out in your memory? You have done and we're going to ask you some about your other projects and we say you're prolific you have so many credits to your name and you've done so many so much work but when you uh look back at ted lasso are there moments from the first two seasons that really stick out to you that you really enjoyed uh composing
2: yeah i think the what what's so satisfying about ted lasso as a show i think is that the jason and bill and, and everybody involved in the creation of the show but Especially Jason has this overall, he sort of knows what the whole thing's going to look like well before he shot it, which is kind of, normally, you know, you see it so many times where people make a TV show, right? And the first season's a hit and then they go, shit, we are going to make a second. We've got to start it now. What are we going to do? We just oh, no, people <laughs> like it. Oh, no. Sure. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, somebody then leaves and they were the main character and you kind of then And in this instance, he set out with a plan in mind to have this arc. And so, he would talk about things when we were spotting season one that were going to happen in season three or season in in season two. So I think one of the things for me that I found really satisfying is there's a scene in episode seven of um, season one, dad and darts when he's in the pub Mm and plays the main tune and it just, the music just sort of builds over this time as he's telling the most incredible story. Mm. Jason said at the time, that's going to be relevant when we come into the end of season um, two, because he's going to then be talking about his dad. Mm. When we then got, I at the time thought he's a bit mad really, because I didn't think that that he really could have it that mapped out. But when we then got to that episode in season um, two, I had a very sort of um, sad kind of piano thing that plays over Rebecca and Ted uh-huh. as they're cutting back and forth between those characters, which is mm. really, brilliantly edited that yeah I mean, the way they kind of and um and then suddenly you get this guitar starting up and it's a reprise of that exact piece of music from the pub obviously slightly different arrangement but that then plays out and it sort of ties the t- two things together and i think there are a lot of those sort of moments where where that sort of came together in season two and i found that really um uh, satisfying you know from a kind of sort of holistic overall music kind of perspective. And he's, I mean, I'm not allowed to really talk about season three, but there are things (laughs) in that 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 will apply to as well. And that's obviously, you know, so I'm excited to get into it. No, oh, that's
1: uh, uh, fantastic. We're excited to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so we're
0: we're all just sitting here like season three. Uh, okay, I guess we can wait. No, we can't. Uh, so, but I do love what you mentioned there, though, is like because actually I uh, studied uh, music in, in school. I studied. I had a minor in composition, and I ever since I was, was studying in college, I've noticed in movies and uh, film, like the best composers do that they have those motives that that keep coming back and back and back, like in really weird places and i love the like i noticed that with those two episodes so i'm i love that you called that out there because i was like oh man and we told ajml i was just like if that episode doesn't win the emmy for editing i don't know what episode in what show would because that moment is so emotional as you said like it just it just broke my heart to see that but um you know uh, taking a little break from ted lasso you are like so prolific as well um in the documentary space and you recently just worked on a documentary uh, the mating game with david attenborough i mean is there anything yeah. you could tell us about that project.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was fantastic because the, um, i would worked as an additional composer on, um, a couple of Disney, um, nature films, um, right. for a, mm. a great friend of mine, Harry Gregson Williams, who is the composer, main composer. And on the, this one called monkey kingdom, I met this guy called Jeff Wilson, who works at silver And, uh, he then just emailed me out of the blue um, during the you know lockdown. He said, "We've got this show. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "Yeah, i meant You know, that sounds fantastic. And he's like, "We'll need it recorded at Abbey Road, and we'll need..." It. And I was like, "Yeah, sounds good." So um, he then, and also what appealed to me about that was that the it wasn't um, it's slightly kind of comedic in places, which mm. um, a lot of the ones prior. Not again, not you're not always looking to reinvent the wheel, but they were very much like. The world's ending tomorrow, and we uh, do something, or we're all dead, you know, sort of thing. And this right. was a bit more, you know, that's obviously an important message, but this was this was sort of had a bit of tongue in cheek and a bit of um, uh, feel good um, about it. And when you're kind of looking at something and writing music to it, sort of all day and night, it can actually, you know, doing too much stuff that's too dark and depressing can actually <laughs> affect how you are in the pub with your friends or a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was interested in it from that and they were just really great people to work with and obviously you know i worked on a um david attenborough in 2010 and uh called life and i remember um just how wonderful his his voice was and uh this mm. was no different it's almost like an instrument in itself yeah and so i kind of made sure the music when he's talking is well out of the way of him in terms of register and um you know that kind of thing and uh But it was great. It was a sort of it was a fully um, it had a couple of unusual things about it in terms of, again, partly due to lockdown. But Abbey Road, you can normally get, you know, 100 people in a room or Mm. what's more common in film and TV is to record the strings in one session. And then, you know, and then do the brass in the evening and do the choir another time. Because you weren't allowed to actually swap players around on seats because of like people had to kind of disinfect the studio Mm. in that 24 hours. I had to record everybody playing at the same time. Oh, wow. So it literally just, I put, you know, 60 people in a room, which was the limit. And, um, and you know, we started and we stopped and that was the performance. There was nothing they could change. So when you get to the dub and someone says, can you ch- turn the trombones back?" <laughs> the answer is no. Nope. <laughs> sure can. <laughs> but I love that because, you know, oft- often in film um, and TV, you you're... You know, your music is separated into these stems, and people have—they don't always mess with it, but sometimes there, people, there's an effect that takes priority or a bit of dialogue, and they mute the brass. Or, but that was just from start to finish a complete performance, and wow. um, I really enjoyed that. And I think the players did too, because you know they don't always get to do that. And so um, I'm actually doing—I'm conducting a live um, sort of suite of that at the end. Oh, cool. <laughs> Which I'm looking forward to, but it was just a great, um, you know, very different to TED and different to other things. We just a sort of fully um, orchestral score, all recorded at the same time in Abbey Road. So that's always good fun to do.
0: Well, that sounds like fun to me. I mean,
1: <laughs> the full orchestra in Abbey Road. Why not? That that that's got to be lame. <laughs> So I have to thank you, Tom, because not only have you uh, put so much wonderful music into our ears for Ted Lasso the last couple of years, but you scored me some major cool points with my wife this morning Mm. because I did tell her that we were talking to the composer of the Great British Baking Show. (laughs) And uh, I would say that that... She, again she was just like oh really you know and so she was so uh, engaged at that point point. and of course there's some Ted Lasso crossover there we love uh, in the pub when Jeremy Baz and yeah. Paul are all <laughs> cheering on the soggy <laughs> bottoms uh but uh talk to me about that experience of composing for something more like a reality show uh or a competition show like mm. that as opposed to something more like a documentary or a drama sitcom that you do as well
2: well, I mean that was that that show just caught light again, and and I mean when I got to America in 2013, I I remember going for my first meeting there at NBC, and they all they wanted to talk about was that, even though it had nothing to do with what I was. what i do remember about that show so vividly is the director um really talented guy called andy devonshire who also did the apprentice and taskmaster which are two huge after things. i mean he's he's a really clever guy he we just did a documentary for bbc4 which is a kind of channel that um not many people watch and uh it was a very serious um thing and i was really into the music and he called me up about two weeks later and he said i doing this baking thing for the BBC too. <laughs> uh, you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it. Um, uh, well, I don't know why I called you, and I said, "Okay, well, you know." I'll see you. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. And then two weeks later, he, he goes, "Look, I'm really desperate. Can I just come round?" So he came up <laughs> to the studio, and he bought coffee because I drink a lot of that, and he bought, you know, sort of muffins and things like that. And then he put this video on, of uh, and it was Mary Berry making a lemon meringue, you know? and uh, and I and it was so light and colourful and uh-huh. so kind of calming. It was mm. you normally on those shows at the time, I mean now a lot of things, not that again we reinvented the wheel, but most of the stuff that was on around there, like Hell's Kitchen, it was all like <laughs> strings, <laughs> jam, 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 yeah. and loads of like jeopardy. And I was like, this is really English and really nice. And even at the end, when everyone's been voted off, they all come back for a tea party. You know, yeah, that's great right. so I started messing around in the studio on, you know, just playing some things. And I said, so I think it's probably a bit like that, isn't it? And he said, sounds sounds just right. And so I then did a few tracks, and I didn't really think anything more of it. And then suddenly it's this monster hit. And then they went, are you available for the second season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm free, you know. That's perfect. In, yeah, it was very much like that, Luke. But he sort of yeah he turned up and then let me kind of just have a go at this thing to picture and that was really how it started you know so i'm 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 noticing a theme here like people keep
0: coming to you when they're like desperate for great music and you just keep (laughs) obliging
1: <laughs> so, Jeremy, you're supposed to have the next question, but I feel like I'm going to hijack the interview for yes, a second you got and to. just <laughs> mention that. Um, so, in talking to some of the other folks on the cast, um, Ted Lasso has focused so much on aspects of mental health, and I think that that's what makes the show so prescient to so many people. And it it helped me. I'll give you my personal example: is that I started really uh, getting anxious during the pandemic and uh, started going into running and meditation almost at the same time i started watching ted lasso Mm -hmm. and so i'm down about 70 pounds i'm feeling much more healthier than i ever have and Mm so it's because of the show conveying such a message to people and i liked that you mentioned the great british baking show is more of a light show that shows this british culture because that was my wife's uh go-to during the Mm -hmm. pandemic and so i'm wondering do you have any uh ways that you try to uh, establish good mental health or any practices that you do uh, uh in your own life.
2: Yeah, I, I, I actually I played um I hit tennis balls basically. <laughs> um uh, but quite a lot. I mean well, I say quite a lot. Three times a week I go and hit for a couple of hours with with um Groove and early. So we do it at sort of you know, seven in the morning till mm. nine, or something like that. But I do need, um, like you're saying with the running or whatever, you know, that um is a um you know, it's a great release, isn't it, to kind of get yeah. the, but I, I, I mean, I thought the, the lockdown, the pay it was really, really difficult that whole time, as you say, kind of, um, uh, you know, just knowing really how it was going to end, I think, as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so it it was, um, yeah, very challenging. And so I, 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 started, but obviously tennis became a bit that was not allowed in. I mean, in LA at least, anyway. So, and I remember when we, um, so that sort of disappeared for me, and it, and that actually was quite difficult for me because that was my main um, release. And then when we started back up, it was very much, "Do you want to come?" And they were sort of disinfecting all the tennis balls. It was, it was, it was sort of extraordinary, yeah. um, you know. And so I, I had a period probably for about six months where I didn't do a lot of exercise. I mean, luckily, obviously, you know, you're never in the beach and the sea, and I'd sort of take the kids down there and mess mm. around and that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. You definitely need those things in your life, don't you? To kind of and I think you work better as well, don't you? you just getting your, you know, whenever I get stuck, I'll often go and just take a walk or something like that. And actually the best, my best friend is my phone with, a, with the um, dictaphone. Mm. Oh, okay. And I can actually pretty much scroll through. I've got all the main themes to everything I've done in a, in a video record where I've been out and about and I'm away from it. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, it's it's really interesting because watching a lot about um, the composition and the work that Lin-Manuel does, he does the exact same thing. He says he's always constantly when something, when inspiration strikes him, he picks up his phone and he'll basically uh, get it into some notes in there and then kind of it flourishes from there. So it's just incredible to think about uh, how someone as creative as you, how you uh, process those things. And and it's just remarkable to me how it goes from something that's on your phone like that uh, to our ears in this amazing show or in this amazing documentary that you're working on uh, whenever whichever project you might be working on at a time. So that's that's just awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's that sort of, um, you know, I, as I say, it almost comes back to those those um, Superman and Back to the Future things. But when you hum a tune to somebody mm-hmm. or you sing, you only hum hum the melody, don't you? You know, you don't right. kind of. But the bits you remember are the bits that you can put into your phone. And so I, I sometimes I genuinely think when you're in the studio and you're surrounded by you know, you've got all these sounds and potential opportunities and you're kind of, you know, you've got to write a big score and therefore you load up some brass. and It just sounds great, but you haven't really got any ideas. Stepping away from that and just going back to, like, is this memorable um, if I hum it? And probably, you know, it often if you've started at the computer, it probably isn't. It's you know, <laughs> on a guitar or a piano on its own or, or walking around to the coffee shop and humming it, as you say, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah absolutely well I, I know you know like when I was learning in college that's all I had to do it too and you are because it's also a thing like you have so much going through your head right like if you don't get it out you might forget it it's like one of those fleeting moment things um, but you know I, I could talk to forever about my favorite composers and stuff but I would really love to know some of yours you know like in, in my life I've worshipped Sondheim uh, you know um, uh, Hans Zimmer is one of my favorite composers of all time but like what about you like when, when like you know you were were Forming this this uh, career, or were there any composers you looked to, or any compositions that that really stuck out in your mind that inspired you?
2: I think the the sort of all round composer for film is Ennio Morricone to me has it. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> he can do anything really, and um, and he's also incredibly inventive. You know, you think of those mm. the, those um, Leone movies where he's you know got people kind of making unusual sounds and doing. I think he was an incredibly inventive um, composer. Not only did he do that, but then he could go and write the most beautiful sort of string arrangement for something like Cinema Paradiso. Yep. Um, But I like a lot of um, uh, sort of old kind of English music, kind of hymns and things too, and sort of, um, uh, I mean, strangely enough, I mean, Ted Lasso in that regard is quite a lot of the um, themes are actually quite hymnal. I mean, if you even like something like Roy Kent's or Ted's tune, you know, they're sort of perfect, um, you know, harmony-wise, if you know what I mean. It's very much kind Mm -hmm. of um, song kind of hymn format, you know. Yeah. uh, But I definitely like a lot of that. um, And I don't know if that's from when I was younger singing in choirs, but I like a lot of that sort of um, old English kind of hymn music and kind of Christmas carols. And that definitely sort of um, is something that I gravitate
0: towards harmonically i would say yeah i can Uh, i can uh relate (laughs) because i started working musically in the church so i i always Uh tell people the same thing is just like that is some of the most gorgeous music like that i've ever heard in my life just the way you're right like melodies and harmonies are structured together in those songs it's just like if you take the words out and just like hum them on laws or something it's just uh this heavenlyly gorgeous music so i i I definitely hear what you're saying there
2: no, Dario Marinelli did a, um on Atonement. Yes. Um, in the arrangement of Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. Mm. Um, it's, it's in the scene where they're near the end and he's walking like, it's just unbelievable. But that the, the harmony in that song just instantly moves you, I think. You know, mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well... <laughs> We could probably talk to you pro- for all afternoon if you if you would let <laughs> us. Um, I do know that you need to get back to work on season three. Uh, and so that way we have- <laughs> Which more we will not ask music, you about. <laughs> um, and ped lasso. I will say if you ever start composing for some Midwestern podcasters, you know, oh, yeah, uh, we'd definitely. love to hit you up for that. Uh, but we no, are. The last question that we uh, normally ask people is that you do a lot of these types of interviews, uh, but we want to see what it is that you're not normally asked about, maybe a story or a message that you would like to talk about, but you're never asked that question. And so we just didn't know if you had something that you might want to mention as we begin to wrap up. Um,
2: That's a very interesting question. I suppose that I mean I never I don't I mean not that I necessarily even want to but my I never get asked about my family or anything like that actually, or kind of you know whether they um, they watch the show or if anyone's interested or anything like that you know and anyway. um, it's quite uh, one of the I mean this, this is going definitely off topic but one of the yeah. things that definitely has been very helpful for me is that my wife doesn't really um, she's not musical and she doesn't particularly watch a lot of TV and film. And so she's actually got very little interest in what I do. And <laughs> what I a pairing, that, yeah. That to me is, is really great, actually, because when I play her something, she gives me a very honest opinion. About mm-hmm. it. And um, and she's not impressed by any of it. So <laughs> not that it's impressive anyway, but she that tef- definitely, to me, keeps it very much... Uh, I think that helps keep me grounded in what I'm doing and putting it all into perspective of the... It's really nice.
1: It's really nice to have that that counterpoint, especially, you know, I mentioned, um, I was uh, super excited to talk to you today. And then, like, like I said, just this morning, it took a great British baking show for my wife to be at all impressed uh, about <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> so I totally get it. Uh, 100%. But uh, Jeremy, did you have anything else to before we wrap this all up? Uh, no, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I I don't know when you
0: sleep, man, but you're listed on IMDb as 96 credits since 2010. Um, so if you have, what what have you done for those spare 10 minutes in those last 11 years when you're not working? No <laughs> problem. I'm just oh, massively so impressed, just massively impressed with everything that you've done, Tom. Uh, the music to Ted Lasso is so moving. Um, the whole show is just so moving, and that's why it's caught on. And as the editors, AJ and Melissa, told us, your music is a very, very big part of that. It's something that I always look for in properties. And at the very least, you made a great impression on me. So I just want to say thank you for for your music for this show. Yeah. Thanks
2: for having me, guys. We a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Chat soon. Thanks. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. All right,
0: everyone. That has uh, been our interview with Tom Howe. I just absolutely love talking to this guy. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that like he gets this job and it's just like, oh, go write music with Marcus Mumford for like a week. Like That's nuts to me. I can't believe that that happened to this guy,
1: and I'm jealous. I mean, it just seems like so much fun, right? And then, how about the do you feel like an affinity? Because we, you know, we're good friends, our wives are good friends, but I felt such an affinity. I felt seen <laughs> when he was like, my family is like, my wife is the one that's like, oh, I guess that's okay. Yeah. You know, like that just is completely unimpressed by what he does. And yes. I, I totally understand that feeling 100%.
0: This is absolutely how I am because, like, because my wife is the same way, she like is not afraid to tell Tell me if something that I make, uh, you know, something I edit create is bad. um, I will always just throw it off of her to see what it is, and it's usually something along the same thing. It's just like if I know if I get like a yeah, it's cool. That's how I know I've done something really good in Sarah's eyes. So that's That's usually how that is. But yeah, that was a really fun story, and I
1: felt that I felt some affinity there (laughs) for sure. And you know, he's somebody that I hope that we get a chance to talk to again because we had, uh, you know, we were this was set up through a virtual junket, which we really do appreciate yes. the thank opportunity you, Apple TV. to be able to uh speak to him but you know it'd be great to really deep dive and also it's funny because i uh interviewed one of the cast members i, I interviewed richard who is stefan manis and that's going to be our next episode yep. and what i'll tell you is it's funny because he also is sort of like plays with composition on the side and actually yeah. essentially sent us a couple of uh, compositions that he made to add into our episode next week, or I guess it'll be in a couple of weeks. And I, I'm just excited for you to finally hear that interview. I interviewed him way back in February, but other things have come up and we just, you know, uh, so we're excited to bring that interview to you next time, but it's just really cool to get a chance to see the creative side of Ted Lasso as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, because and so we always want to do this and, you know, we've got some partnerships coming up uh, that we haven't announced yet, but like to try to highlight the people who make movies and make tv shows and are like behind the scenes they're not in front of the camera but just as quintessential in making these things happen and music is often one of those things that gets overlooked you know it's just there it's a steady little thing throughout underneath the action underneath the dialogue but i trust me folks if you've ever seen like a scene that you love in a movie and if you take the music out of it it completely changes it it completely changes everything so um and of course vice versa movies where they have no music it's definitely done on purpose so, So, you know, I just love talking to composers and getting to dig into their brains. Um, You know, if you want to have another uh, composer talk, we actually talked to a legendary composer on Beyond the Mouse on the Front Row Network a while back, Mr. Alan Menken. So go and check out that interview as well. Um, But this was a a great, great interview. um, And, yeah, I'm hoping we get him back on, especially to talk about uh, season three, because as you might have heard in there, folks, he knows what's going to happen.
1: And that sucks for all of us because we can't know. it's so funny that uh, whenever we broach the subject of season three with any of these, and, you know, we try to make sure that we're not like asking them direct questions because, of course, they're not going to be able to answer. But he did leave us with a little bit of a tease. And, you know, you bring up a really good point, Jeremy. I've been thinking about this as far as like when we're talking about what we're doing sort of in this off season content area. And we do have uh, several other shows on the front row network. And so my thought was maybe what we could do uh, is every now and then release some kind of interview or episode that we did on one of our other shows, so you can have a chance to check that out. So yeah. I, I would love for you to directly contact me uh, through the Peanut Butter and Biscuits <laughs> Facebook page, through Lasso at gmail.com, and tell me that if that is a good idea. If yeah. you want that, uh, what I can do is we can uh, publish our interview with Alan Menken that uh, Jeremy and I were able to have actually last fall. Uh, we'll do that next week if you want, but I don't want to Give you extra content that you're not looking for. (laughs) So please let me know. know, I'd be happy to to do that kind of a thing. And then that way you can sort of get a taste for the other shows on the network as we continue the arduous wait to season three.
0: Yes, we're all just trudging along together folks. Uh, But we will get there and we will see what season three has in store. So Craig actually mentioned it there, though. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always do that at frontrowlasso at gmail.com or, of course, the Peanut Butter and Biscuits fan group on Facebook. That is where we are rerunning the March Madness bracket. Again, all of you, as Coach Beer would say, do better. Get uh, get some of those great episodes in there. Beard After Hours, it deserved to win. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's my one controversial take ever in the entire history of the network. Um, but, no, oh, sure. it, it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, seeing how the fans uh, deviated from us and the Lasso cast. People there. Um, and that's the great part about brackets, especially fan voted uh, brackets. So uh, get your butt over to that group and get in there. And of course, as Craig said, you can always find everything from the Front Row Network on uh, nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network.
1: Um, Craig, anything else before we say goodbye? I just gonna say keep being you and keep being awesome out there because we need it in the world and uh, we are coming to a time between spring and summer here in the Midwest it is so cold today it is ridiculous yeah it's I'm also for that summer weather here in the Midwest <laughs> exactly so uh, just ready for a great summer ahead and who knows maybe an announcement at some point in the near future they are going to wrap Uh, filming on season three and then after that we get the announcement of when season three will air and then after that we might get a teaser trailer it's going to be some fun stuff coming into the summer for sure so check it all out
0: Rest assured, guys, we are going to be chasing those things hard for you. So who knows? Maybe we can break some news, but we will always be right on top of any breaking Lasso news. So, um, all right, that is going to do it again. We hope that you enjoyed this interview. Thank you again to Tom Howe for coming on and talking to us. Of course, come back anytime you want, Tom. Um, We love you. We love the work you do, especially on Ted Lasso. So for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy Geckner. I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, everyone, big old. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio, Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or mprillinois.org slash programs slash Front Row Network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.